Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's how I thought that would go. All right, so here's what I'm going to give you a chance to do. Are you ready? You ready? Everybody take a deep breath in and out. You're going to make it. You're just a couple days away. You're going to make it. If you're like me, like this Christmas is, we've been writing those things out on the glass. Uh, regardless of what this Christmas is for you or has been the last several Sundays, um, if I were to have you write it out there today, which again, there's Sharpies out there going right on that glass wall what Christmas is for you today, I think we would all be writing the same thing. It would probably be something along the lines of stressful, crazy, chaotic, or busy. Could I, can we agree on those things most likely? Whether you're on the camp that says, I've got everything done, I'm just sailing into Christmas, which the rest of us don't want to speak to you today, or the most of us are probably like, okay, we still have a lot to do, let's get a lot done, so Brian, get this thing going because we've got places to go right after this. There's a lot going on, and so I, I thought I would share with you what Christmas is like in the Haas household. We, we've, we, we've looked back on this memory for years and years and years, and it continues to be true every single year. If there is one picture, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, if there's one picture that just sums up Christmas in our house, this would be it. Here it is. It's a few years old. Actually, it's quite a few years old. That's Christmas in our, in our family. Now, that's my oldest, Connor, who is now seven, but that's back when he was one. And it seems like the emotions that Becky and I were feeling in that moment, like six years ago, is still the same feelings we still have today. Because in that moment, and I know Becky and I are both really smiles in that picture, but parents, you know how that goes. You just smile and say, take the picture, and I'm embarrassed beyond belief, right? <laughs> it's take the picture, but what's really going on inside is a list of stuff. Man, we're frustrated. We just wanted one perfect family picture with our only son, our only child at that point. And everybody else can get a nice picture with Santa Claus. Why can't we? And this was actually at the church that I was serving at. So there's a bunch of people around like, oh, that's the pastor and his family. Great job, Brian. Yeah, right, you got all those feelings, all those emotions, all those things going through your head of I was just hoping for, but in reality, I'm dealing with this. So you can imagine what those feelings are where it is just all over the place. Now, here's what's interesting about that picture. In the moment, horrible, <laughs> absolutely a horrible moment. But years later, that has truly become one of our favorite Christmas pictures ever, we love that picture because it just shows the real and raw and, and authenticity of what Christmas really is. And with parenting, it's a mess and everything else. So that has truly become a favorite memory of ours. In fact, I remind Connor every year, hey, remember when you did that? And he's like, Dad, you showed me that last year. I said, and I will never stop, ever. It's interesting how a moment, we're in the moment, is just horrible. You, I just hope this moment passes. I'm never going to remember this moment. I hope I never remember this moment. We're never going to talk about this moment again. We get a lot of those, don't we? But in reality, if you take a few steps out of it and time passes, it's interesting that you can look back on that same moment, removed from the moment, and say, wow, there's actually a lot to, to want to remember about that. There's actually a lot that is kind of funny now that you talk about it. There's a lot about that moment that, you know, I wouldn't change that for you. I would not change that picture for anything. In the moment, you get one story. As time goes by, you get a different one. 
I think the same can be true, just especially talking when we're just a few days away from Christmas here. We're in the moment right now. It feels like crazy, chaotic, difficult. You go through the list. We've talked about it. But it's interesting that all the things we talk about Christmas, all the words associated with Christmas, love, joy, peace, hope, kindness, all of those words seem to be missing in the moment of Christmas and the Christmas season, don't they? In the moment, we might be thinking, feeling one way, but as time passes, we can look back and actually see something a little bit different. So what I'm hoping we can do this morning is not have to wait for time to pass before you look back and say, oh, wow. Can we actually experience that in the moment? Now, that doesn't take away the stress. That doesn't take away the busyness. That doesn't take away from the difficulties. It doesn't take away from any of those. But it really becomes about perspective. How do we see it? How do we walk through not just the Christmas season, but just our lives in general? If that love, joy, hope, peace is what we want Christmas to truly be, well, then what do we need to be looking for during the Christmas season? Because the Christmas story, not just Christmas in our lives in this season, the Christmas story that we're going to look at is actually pretty opposite of the love, the joy, the peace, <laughs> and the hope. It is very difficult. It is very chaotic. It is very crazy at times. So how do we rectify the two? How do we reconcile the moment with the memory and is it possible to live in the moment and see what God is actually doing? That's my hope. My hope is that you'll be able to breathe a little bit easier after we get through today. Because we say that a lot. If we can just get through it, we can get through today. But can you actually live in that moment and breathe just a little bit? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look through part of the Christmas story. This is probably the, the section of the Christmas story you are most familiar with. Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1. This gives us a pretty good glimpse, overview of the Christmas story. We've talked through from the perspective of Joseph. We've looked through the wise men, talked a little bit about the shepherds. Here we're going to look at more so Mary's perspective, starting in Luke chapter 2. Verse 1, if you've got your Bible, follow along. And as we read through this and as you're reading along with me, I want you to look at this through the lens of Mary's perspective, but also be a Debbie Downer just for a little bit. I know that's an odd request in church. Look at this as, as a pessimist, as everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Nothing's good. Look through it from that lens just for a little bit, and I'll show you why we want to do that. Here we go. Verse 1 out of chapter 2. From Mary's perspective, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there were no guest room available for them. Do you see all the negative things that happened in that story? <laughs> Go through it, because often what we do, it's almost like we walk around with this imaginary notebook where we're just constantly taking notes of, well, this happened and that happened, and I didn't plan for that, because we have a good memory on some of those things, don't we? So if we were to do that from Mary's perspective, you open up that notebook, things that she would have probably written in there, if it's going to go wrong, then it happened. Everything starting from the beginning. Well, 
pregnant, but not by Joseph, by God. And we know how that conversation went with Joseph and, and dealing with how everybody else felt about that and, and being called a liar. And oh, that's God's son in her belly. Mm-hmm. All of the talk, all of the gossip. She almost got a divorce because of it. Remember, Joseph was going to divorce her. So her marriage is not starting off so great. We almost got divorced and what people are trying to think, but I know this is true in my heart and nobody believes me. Now you're nine months pregnant and it's time to go on a trip. Now, I remember when Becky was pregnant all three times. I do remember those moments. I try to push some of those moments out because traveling with a woman that is nine months pregnant, can you cut the camera for a moment? Just for a moment. Just kidding. If you are nine months pregnant, you don't want to go on a trip, do you? It's a difficult trip. This isn't just down the street. You're talking days of traveling, difficult terrain. Nine months pregnant, now she's got to travel and they have to go to this town of Bethlehem. And you've got to be thinking that for Mary, it's, please don't let me give birth while we're not at home. Right, we're gonna go and do this census thing because we have to, but please let us get home so I can, we can have our baby at home. Well, what does it tell us? While they were there. While they were there. Now, keep in mind, they didn't even have a place to stay once they got there. There's no room anywhere. No family to stay with, no friends to stay with, no, no guest room to stay at at all. The best they found would have been what we would maybe call a glorified cave. Like a barn would have been way too nice for what they probably experienced this dark, damp, cold cave where animals were all around. That's the best place that they had to stay. And Mary's got to be thinking, please not here, please not here, please not here. I, w- I want to be home. Especially think back, parents, to your firstborn. You're a lot more protective over that first child, aren't you? It's by the third one, it's like, ah, they'll be okay, they'll figure it out. But that first one, it's, no, we have to have our crib. It's, we got this special crib that's, that's made for firstborns. I'm like, is that even a thing? It's, per, it's perfect for our firstborn. We have the right blankets and the right stuffed animals. And, and we got the baby monitors all set up. And, and we're close to family and friends. We're, we're wanting to be at home for that. So not only do they not have a place to stay, it's not their home. She's got to be thinking, please not here, please not here, please not here. And then it's here. I have to give birth to my firstborn, not, not even at home, but in this place? Not even a, a crib to lay my firstborn, so he goes in a feeding trough, a manger with just some hay to try to keep him warm, and some random cloths to, to fold him up in? I mean, if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, you know, this is one of those stories where if anything's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. And you got to be thinking just, we can't take one more thing, and then one more thing happens. And maybe you're in that place just Christmas season-wise. I can't handle just like one more person RSVPing, saying they're now coming to my house when they told me they weren't. I can't handle just one more, and then that one more happens. I can't handle just one more thing, and then that one more thing happens. I don't think I can handle one more, and one more happens. That's how I kind of read the story. It seems it's one thing after another, after another, after another. So she finally is given birth, and maybe they're starting to catch their breath, maybe, and something else happens, something else that wasn't planned for, that wasn't expected, that if I'm in their shoes, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding, not this. You've got to be kidding, not one more thing, because if you keep reading the next verse, 
Verse 8 says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And you probably know this story. The angels appear to the shepherds in the fields, make this grand announcement that Jesus is here, the Messiah has come. And then these angels give specific instructions on where to find Jesus and Mary and Joseph. So these shepherds decided, well, we should go. Let's go see what's happened. So put again yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes. We're far away from home. This isn't how we wanted this whole thing to go. We're still freaking out. There's a lot of things going on. And then these strange men show up unannounced saying, we were told to come see your baby. Dude, if that was my wife, she goes into mama bear mode and says, "Uh uh-uh, you stay outside the cave. Who told you you could show up here? No one knows we're here, right? You you wanna get a little bit of time. I need some normalcy. I'm tired of strange people showing up. And here are these strange men, these shepherds that show up to their house or to this cave saying, here we are, we came to see Jesus. And all of a sudden, what Mary and Joseph maybe were hoping for of, can we kind of get back to normal? Can we please go home? Is the census over yet? Now they're entertaining guests. Just one more thing, just one more thing, just one more thing. Something interesting happens. After the shepherds meet Jesus, they have a response, but then we're also told of a response that Mary has. Let me read it for you. Verse 16 out of Luke chapter 2. This is after the shepherds found Mary. It says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning about what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were, what was the word? They were amazed. They were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, and hold up there, But Mary, in other words, she's going to have a little bit of a different response, which is understandable. Here the shepherds get told this great news and they witness a whole host of angels. They would have been amazed after they were terrified, of course, but then they would have been amazed. And they see Jesus and they see that it's all true. And what the angels told them is a reality. So now they start to tell everybody else they possibly can. It says, you won't believe what has happened. And everybody else was, what was the word? Amazed. Amazed at what had happened, amazed at what the shepherd said, said, but Mary, meaning it's going to be a different response than the shepherds and everybody else. Everybody else was amazed, but Mary, I wonder what that response would have been if, if, if we're in her shoes. But Mary was frustrated, understandably, but Mary was discouraged, yep, but Mary was overwhelmed, most definitely, But Mary was stressed out. But Mary was ready to get home. But Mary. Here's what she actually responded with. So after everybody else was amazed, verse 19. And I don't want to oversell this by any means. This is going to sound like what a pastor should say. I believe Mary's response, if we apply that to our lives, will change your Christmas. Whatever this Christmas is for you, If you're in the camp of difficult and stressful and busy and crazy and chaotic, can I suggest that what Mary did here will change your Christmas? Verse 19, after everybody else was amazed, but Mary, look at this, treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. But Mary, everybody else was amazed, but Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds and everybody else amazed, rightfully so. Mary 
treasured things. She treasured up all of these things. And understand, amazed and treasured are very different. Similar in the sense of when you're amazed at something, sometimes it goes into, well, that's a a treasured memory. But amazed can be something fleeting. In other words, amazed, wow, that was incredible. Okay, now what do I need to do? I can be amazed and then move on. I can be amazed and then forget. I can be amazed until, well, it's kind of run its course. I need to be amazed again, like surprise me again. Amaze me again. Amazed and then we can move on. Treasured is much deeper than just being amazed, being surprised, thinking, wow, that was awesome. Yeah, partly, But treasured speaks to holding tightly. If we're amazed and can move on, when we treasure something, we hold on and we don't let go. We keep it close to our heart. It says here that Mary treasured up, and this blows my mind, that she treasured up, do you catch this? All of these things. Go back to Debbie Downer for a second. All of those things that we went through, and this was wrong, and that was unexpected, and this was a mess up with my plans, and not one more thing, please, not one more thing, oh, one more thing. She treasured up all of these things, everything that she had experienced and gone through and walked through and dealt with. So she treasured them up, pondered them in her heart. She treasured them. She kept them close. She did not want to forget. She was not going to let them go. She pondered them. Pondered is not just a one-time thing. It's not a, oh, I remember that one time. No, it's a constant bringing back. It's a constant on the front of my mind. It's constantly in my heart. I constantly come back to it again and again and again. Very big difference between amazed and treasured. In our house, we have a handful of, of photo, photo frames. Not a ton, uh, but, but we have a handful of, of photo frames That's not because we don't take a ton of photos, though. In fact, if you were to get on my phone and you were to look at my album for photos, you would find 11,833 photos in my phone right now. (laughs) It's a lot. And I'm sure you're probably pretty similar. We just take pictures of everything. Right, I've got pictures of receipts in there that, I mean, I need, but it's not, like, super important to me. I've got, like, the hundred pictures of our kids trying to get just the one that, oh, that was the right one. We've got selfies in there. We've got, oh, I need to remember to do this, so we screenshot it. I mean, out of those over 11,000 pictures, there's a handful that we would say, no, those are actually really important. Or maybe that those would be the ones that we would actually treasure. So out of the over 11,000, almost 12,000 photos in my phone, there is a handful that make it to a photo frame in my house. This is one of them. And it's not the photo necessarily that's important, but it's the fact that it made it in a frame. It's the fact that it made it out of all of those. This is one that actually made the cut to make it in a photo frame. And there's a reason behind that. The pictures we put in photo frames are the ones we want to constantly be reminded of. They're the ones that we want to see every single day. It's the ones we don't have to, have to hunt for and scroll for. And Well, let me find that one picture that we really like. There's a story behind it. There's difficulties behind it. There's memories behind it. There's something in each of those photos that are in a photo frame that allowed it to make the photo frame cut for a reason. For Mary, all of those things that she treasured up, she held on to them. She thought about them again and again and again. So my question would be, what needs to make it in your photo frame today? This Christmas season, 
What needs to make it in your photo frame so that you constantly are reminded of it? Because again, the busyness and the crazy and the chaos, that's probably not going to go away. Because when it's not Christmas, it's gonna be something else. Have you caught on to that yet in life? <laughs> if it's not now, it's gonna be later. So this whole idea of once I get through this season, you gotta stop thinking that way. It's not helpful. Because there's always going to be another season. There's always gonna be something else. To, Mary's, to my point in Mary's stories, there's always gonna be one more thing. It just might be a different thing. So if the busyness and the stress and the chaos and the crazy and the difficulty, if those aren't necessarily going to go away, well, what are we supposed to do? I think that's where we respond like Mary. We treasure up these things and we ponder them in our hearts. We hold on to those things, the things that we need to never forget, the things to always remember. So here's how I think we can actually do that. Let me kind of walk you through just maybe three things to help you treasure, like Mary, how do we treasure things kind of Ideally, how do we get things in the picture frame? Here's the first thing that I would tell you. The first thing is, notice what God is doing. Notice what God is actually doing. It's very easy to pay attention to what God's not doing, it feels like, right? That's super easy. Well, God, you're not doing this, and God, you didn't show up in this way, and God, you're not listening to this, and God, you're not answering that. We're pretty good at showing, showing and pointing out what God's not doing. Can we flip it around, and can I encourage you, in order to treasure things, can you begin to look at it with, God, what are you doing? In the moment, like I said, it's easier, not easy, but easier later on to look back and say, oh, that's what God was doing. Oh, I see how God showed up. Oh, that's how God was leading and, and directing and guiding. So in the moment, can you stop and have different eyes and say, God, what are you doing? God, I know you're moving. I know you're working. What are you teaching me? What are you trying to guide me towards? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to know? How are you developing me in this season? God, what are you doing? Notice that God is moving and look for what he is doing. But imagine Mary would have done something similar when she treasured up all these things. You had to have imagined that she would look back and all the series of events that took place to that point. God, I see what you're doing. I see how you're moving. I see what this is gonna do. I'm getting a glimpse of your plan and your working. Notice what God is doing in the moment, in your life. Notice what God is doing. Second thing I would tell you is stop rushing. Don't rush through the moment. It would have been very easy for Mary in that moment to say, okay, shepherd, you saw Jesus, now please go and leave us alone. We just wanna go home. It would be very easy for you this Christmas season to help people out of your house a little bit quicker, Right? We did some, some last-minute Christmas shopping the other day, and we did something that many of you would say, Brian, you should have never done that. We took our kids Christmas shopping with us. It took 10 times longer than it should have. We split up. I took the boys, and Becky took Collins, and we had kind of our divide-and-conquer list, and we went to the different stores, and it would have been so much easier if one of us just took the kids and stayed at home, and the other one just went out and blitzed and got everything done. So often we walk through these moments, we rush through these moments by saying, okay, here's what's on my list. I gotta get them done. I gotta be as fast as I can. And let me say, sometimes we trade efficiency for effectiveness. Oh, I wanna be really efficient in getting everything done, yet you're missing what's most effective in that moment. For us, it was important that our kids were part of this Christmas shopping. 
that things didn't just always appear and that grandma and grandpa didn't just get something on their behalf, but they were part of it. And yes, it was painful and took forever and frustrating and no, you can't have that and yes, put that down and where did the other one go? I mean, all of that that goes with it. But remember from last week, I'm a good dad, I don't lose my kids. <laughs> Except maybe on Friday. <laughs> don't rush through the moment. It's not about getting things done. God, what are you doing right now? In this moment, who have you put around me? And yes, it may feel and reality be difficult, but you've given me people to be around. Don't be so quick to just blow through and rush through the moment. Some of you might be thinking, I just need to get to December 26th. Some of you might be saying, I just need to get to January 2nd. I just need to get through the season. Oh, can I tell you to hit pause and time out and get out of the get through mindset and Man, sure, as crazy as things are, can you just not rush through the moment? And go back to that first part and recognize what God is doing in the moment with you. In every single moment, stop rushing through them. Third thing I would tell you is what Mary did. It says that she treasured all of these things up and pondered them in her heart. Pondered is a very strong word. It's more than just remember. It's obviously part of that, but it's a much deeper word that holds on to it and is meditating on all of those things. She brings it back to her mind again and again and again and again. And she doesn't let go and then she thinks back again and she relives those moments again and again. Oh, ponder those moments. Think of them often, be another way to say it. Think of them often. Think back to what God has already done. Think back to how you've seen God move and work in your life. Think back to those moments, to those picture frame moments that make the cut and you think back to them again and again and again. Like I said, we kind of all have that imaginary notebook of all that, well, this didn't happen right and this wasn't my plan and this didn't go well and that was bad news. You know, we're gonna remember those things, but I would say don't ponder those. Sure, I'm not telling you to forgive and forget everything. I mean, that's part of our story, and God's working through that, but can you remember what God has done throughout those moments? I don't claim to be a golfer at all, but I like to golf, and if you're a golfer, you know there's a very big difference between those two statements. <laughs> I enjoy golfing. I'm not a golfer, and prior to kids, I actually golfed quite a bit and even worked on a golf course, and if we were to sit down and have a conversation where you asked me, Brian, tell me about your golf career, you know what I would tell you? I would tell you the memorable four shots that were awesome that I made. The only four awesome shots that I can bring to mind because out of all of my years golfing, majority of them, 90% of them were terrible shots. But man, there was four super good ones that I could just tell you days about on how I lined up and what iron I used and where it landed and every, I could tell you everything about it. I could put you with me for those four amazing shots. Oh, let's be super good at that. Because it was those four shots that, oh man, I love to tell that story. It's those four shots that kept me going again. And it's like, I mean, it didn't happen every time, obviously. But what keeps me golfing? Those four shots. Maybe I'll have another one one day. <laughs> Not anytime soon, probably. But it's those types of things that make the cut where let's think about those things. Paul even tells us, he gives us a list. Think about such things. Whatever's noble, trustworthy, Righteous, go through the list in Philippians. 
Think of those things. So if the busyness isn't going to go away, if the craziness isn't going to go away, if it's not this season, it's going to be another season, can you treasure up the right things and ponder them in your heart over and over again? I hope you're asking, well, what exactly should I be pondering? I'm glad you asked, because here's what I think, think is the key word here. We're not told this, but if I'm in Mary's shoes, here's what I would be pondering. I think I would go back to an earlier conversation with an angel. Luke chapter 1, we get the story of Gabriel making the announcement to Mary for the first time. In verse 34, chapter 1, she asks a very legitimate question of Gabriel. After he explains, you're going to be pregnant, this this Jesus, your son, God's son, is going to save the world. She asks a legitimate question, verse 34, well, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Verse 37, here's Here's what I believe she pondered. The angel Gabriel said this, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. You wanna know what to ponder in your heart, what to treasure in your heart? That, that no word from God will ever fail. In other words, God is faithful. That's never changed. It doesn't matter the difficulty you go through. It doesn't matter the season you find yourself in. Again, go through Mary's story from her perspective. It doesn't matter that all the plans change and all the uncertainties and all the stress and all the gossip and all the worry and all the unknowns. God is faithful. I believe she thought back to the Gabriel's words, no word from God will ever fail. If I'm Mary, I'm holding on to that. As Brian, I'm holding on to that that no word from God will ever fail. He is faithful. He has been faithful. He continues to be faithful. He will always be faithful for you in your life. So treasure that. Hold that close to your heart. Ponder that often. The other thing I believe Mary would have pondered would have been those early conversations between her and Joseph is, what are we supposed to name them? And Joseph says, no, I was told in a dream. It was very specific. Mary's like, yeah, me too. Like, we can't mess this part up. In fact, we're told back in Joseph's encounter with the angel, Matthew chapter one, we're told this, after the angel explained you're to name him Jesus and here's why, verse 22, we're told this, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord God had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If I'm Mary, I'm pondering that. I'm treasuring and holding on to the fact that God is with us, that he is with me. And again, personally, oh, I'm holding on to that, that it doesn't matter what season I go through in life, that God is faithful and God is with me, always. It never changes. I believe if we treasure and hold on and ponder those two facts of our relationship with Jesus, that he is faithful and that he is with us, oh, that's how we continue to get through moment by moment by moment. Because we remember the moments where he's always with us. We remember the moments where he is constantly faithful. No word from God will ever fail. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
So whatever's on your list of things to do, whatever is in the future of things to come, whether it's this week or this next year, whatever you're preparing or dreading for, can you hold on to those two things? Treasure those two things, that he is faithful and that he is with you. I told you earlier we wanted to give you a chance to breathe. That's why Patrick and I intentionally made today feel a little bit differently. To give you a chance to breathe. And I don't want us to rush through this moment. There's a lot we all have to do. Don't rush this moment. Don't allow yourself to get too far ahead. Live in this moment for the next few minutes. Because in the next few minutes, we're gonna take communion together. When you came in today, when you came in this morning, you should have gotten communion cup with a wafer on top. If not, we'll have some guest services. People will be walking around. They'll be happy to make sure that you get one. Just maybe raise your hand as they pass these around. We're not gonna do this just because we're supposed to do it. We don't do this just to make it another thing to do in church. This isn't another part of your religious ritual duties to perform. It's to remember. It's to ponder those two facts. He is faithful and he is with you as he's with me. The cracker represents Jesus's body that was broken for us on the cross. The juice represents Jesus's blood that was poured out for us. His sacrifice takes our sins away. It's interesting that he was born to give us life, but it also required his death. But we know the end of the story. Our savior is alive. He is faithful and he continues to be with us. So before we take communion, again, we're not rushing this, I want to give you a few things to ponder in your own heart. I want you to ponder where your trust is with Jesus today. Have you trusted him? We're told in scripture to approach communion with the right heart, the right heart posture. So do you trust him? Not just, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe. Oh, it's more than believing. James tells us that the demons believe and they shudder. Do you trust him? Do you follow him? Is he your king and is he your Lord? If not, this is the time to do just that. Jesus, I believe that you are faithful. Jesus, I believe that you are with me. I trust you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Move into my life. He is faithful and he is with you. Maybe you just need to be reminded again. Once again, there's a reason we have picture frames like this in our house because it's, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We, we've got this. We're good. We can get through this because I remember what was going on when that picture was taken. Maybe you needed to be reminded again of the faithfulness of God and that he is with you. If you close your eyes with me, I want to give you two things to say to Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. The first one is recognizing that he is faithful. Would you say it with me? He is faithful. Second one is declaring that he is constantly with us, that he is with me. Would you say that with me? He is with me. Jesus, we come before you, treasuring up all of these things and pondering them in our heart, that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are working in our lives constantly and you are always with us and that never changes. 
Yes, seasons change and difficulties come and go and there's always one more thing and there's always something to come. But your faithfulness and your presence are constant and consistent in our lives. So we remember that and we treasure that and we will continue to ponder that in our hearts. May this moment for us as we take communion, Jesus, may we remember your birth, your sacrifice, and your resurrection because of the life and the hope that it has brought each and every one of us. We treasure the right things and we ponder them constantly. Let this moment, Jesus, be a time for us to breathe with you, to hold on to the hope that is only found in you. We turn to you always and first. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment, don't rush it. When you're ready, peel the first wrapper back and that'll be the cracker, once again, representing his broken body. The second wrapper as you peel back will expose the juice representing his blood that was poured out for us. Live in the moment, treasure this moment. As things get crazy this week, this is what you go back to and ponder. Let's take a moment with our Lord. Mm -hmm.